When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Swept. That's the nothing personal word of the day. Good morning. It is Thursday, October 5th, 2023. I had an entire day planned for myself. Record the show, do a hit on CBS Sports HQ, do a segment with Levitard talking about movies with Adnan, and then start working on tomorrow's show, settle in for four game threes. Because I'm all about the deciding games, win or go home. It's way more exciting. It's like game seven. It doesn't matter if it's game five or it's game seven or game three. Win or go home. College football, it's one. NFL football, it's one. It's not even a series. March Madness, it's one. So don't, don't get excited about, oh, it's only a three-game series or five or seven. We're in position, four of them. And guess what? First game happens. I'm watching Rays Rangers, and I'm saying, wow, the Rays stink. They lose. Done. No game today. No problem. I got a good one coming up. The Jays are a good team. It's unlikely the Twins are going to win two in a row. Done. All right. Brewers are not getting swept at home by the Diamondbacks. Give me a break. Fine. My last hope is the Marlins against the Phillies with my guy Braxton pitching. Ah, crikeys. Now I got to watch the Commanders and the Bears. MLB is looking at this and saying, this is the worst possible scenario that we could have had. Really, the worst possible scenario. As a matter of fact, this whole three-game wild card round, which was supposed to add excitement and add inventory for ESPN, because they're the exclusive, and they had the games on ABC and ESPN2 and ESPN, value added, fans are going to love it, crowds are going to be insane, the excitement, the energy will keep more teams in it for longer during the regular season. What could possibly go wrong? Now, the owners of the four teams, the players on the four teams, they barely got enough time to wear their playoff sweatshirt. It's still clean. You make the playoffs on Saturday or Sunday, the playoffs start Tuesday, and by Wednesday at six o'clock, you're done. At least in the NFL, when you sneak into the playoffs, you get a week to enjoy it, and there's a week worth of articles. In Major League Baseball, it lasts three days, which in some scenarios lasting three days, not so bad. But in playoff scenario, not acceptable. But it's not like they're going to change back to one game, winner take all, because they already took the money from ESPN. And ESPN now realizes after a sample size that's not small anymore, that these sweeps tend to happen more than they don't. As a matter of fact, I'm trying to think in the last two years when there wasn't a sweep, I think seven of the last eight have been sweeps for the last two years. And if I go back three or four years, 
I'm barely remembering any game threes, yet when it starts, I'm all excited for the possibility of game threes. I think I was more excited than anyone in Tampa. We talked yesterday about Stu Sternberg, the owner of the Rays, looking out at his 19,000 people saying, I cannot believe I'm building a stadium in St. Pete. Thank God I've got a real estate play. And then they go to game two, and I gave you a wait to see on Twitter at David P. Sampson. Doesn't count as official in the document, but I meant it. There is no chance, toilet pants, that MLB would ever allow attendance to be announced lower. But I also told you that we don't make up attendance in the postseason. So did MLB make up the raise attendance to get all the way to 20,198 people? I wonder whether MLB called 494 people and said, hi, my name is the commissioner of baseball. I would very much appreciate it if you would go to the game in St. Petersburg today. I'm looking for 494 of you. I'll give you a free shirt. Are you in? 20,198. Don't give me the excuse it's afternoon. Don't give me the excuse you could be eliminated. We had 65,000 people come and watch us down three to one against the Cubs. Now, of course, that was the LCS. What's the difference? It's a playoff round. Very concerning signs. Guess who's happy that the Rangers swept the race? They won't admit it because it'll make all the people in Tampa feel badly, especially the front office. The players sort of realize it, but it's the front office that really feels it. MLB is thrilled. Can you imagine if we had a deciding game three today in Tampa and all the commissioner's office could reach was another 500 people, so the attendance was 20,600 for a win and keep going, lose your out game? Now they don't have to think about Tampa. They're done. They don't have to think about anything other than the greatness of Texas, the great market of Dallas, and the fact that that will be a sold out stadium and so will Baltimore. What a relief, Tampa's gone. What a disappointment. Do you know they went 33 innings with no runs in the postseason? That's the second longest streak of all time. They couldn't score. Remember last season when they got swept by the Guardians and they lost in the 15th inning? I'll tell you, it's quite something. So I'm watching the Rays, Rangers. I know that I picked the Rays. As a matter of fact, you're gonna hear later that I picked all four series and only got one right. Phillies over the Marlins. I didn't think the Rays would fold like a tent. I didn't think that the Rangers had it in them. But I was wrong. So I'm watching the game and I'm thinking about what's next for the Rangers. And I'm wondering if I can get excited about Rangers and Orioles. And we'll preview that series Friday, which starts Saturday. It starts Saturday at one o'clock. Here's a little nugget. The reason why they have to start that series at one o'clock, although maybe the networks would have chosen, is that in Baltimore, they can't play at night because there's a concert where the Ravens play and it's Billy Joel and Stevie Nicks. So instead of having two events at the same time, which would be a major nightmare, they move the baseball to one o'clock because certainly you're not gonna get Billy and Stevie in the concert hall at one o'clock. There was a rule we were not allowed to schedule 
anything in our ballpark in October at all. We're all trying to schedule other events. Even when your team is scheduled to lose 100 games and your playoff prediction is 0%, you are not allowed to schedule an event in October. We had opportunities to do October events and we had to turn them down. Sometimes when I knew that we weren't good, I would have our in-game, not our in-game entertainment, what did we call them, Coca? Our outside revenue department, I'm totally blanking. We would say, listen, string them along a little bit. Let's see how we start the season and we'll be able to confirm by late April. If we're playing the way I think we're gonna play, we can still do the event, but we're gonna keep it on the down low. But if we had like an 18 and eight April, I'd be, oh, we're gonna make the playoffs, shut it down. No conversations with anyone for any October events. You want a bar mitzvah, forget it. You want a concert, no chance. That is how I would operate. Even though the rule is you absolutely could not schedule anything in October. So I finished watching the Rays and then I turned to the Jays twins game. And I'm thinking about Jays winning a game, Jays underperforming, Jays being disappointing all year long, wondering whether or not Berrios, their guy who they got from the Twins, who was signed to a long, big extension, he's on the mound. I'm thinking this has a chance. And then I watch the Jays and I realize, why is it that I make the same mistake every time? And this is the president in me. Why do I think that a team can just turn it on like a light switch? When you are what you've been, you stay what you are. There's no two ways around it. The Blue Jays were exactly what they were the entire season, yet I thought over a two-game series or a three-game series that they would somehow become the Blue Jays that I thought they were going to be when the season started. And it all manifested itself in one play. And this happened in two series yesterday. I'm going to save you from watching it. Vladimir Guerrero was on second base. They were actually mounting a rally first and second, and Guerrero got picked off for the third out of the inning. In the fifth inning, absolute disgrace. No one's going to talk about it. You can never get picked off second base, ever. It happened in the Marlins game too. It's a pretty simple rule. It's like not making the first or third out at third base. If you're trying to get to third base with one out, and you think you have a chance, do it, because a man on third with one out, there is added value to that. You better never make the third out at third base because being on second, you're in scoring position anyway. Oh, but David, there's a passed ball. Forget it. You don't make the third out at third. It's simple. And you definitely don't make the first out. If no outs and you can't get to third, stop at second. But I digress. You don't get picked off. We practiced that in spring training. Now, Alex Rodriguez in his last game on ESPN gave everybody a detailed explanation. Sonny Gray went to his hat and what a great veteran move showing Correa. So here's how we would do pickoff plays. There were signs. We generally did it with gloves. You can do it with hats, but there's also the space play. The space play is when the catcher sees an amount of space between the, the infielder and the runner You can give a sign to the pitcher, that's the pickoff sign, and the shortstop sees it and then breaks. There are myriad ways to do it. There are myriad ways to do it, but none of them should ever work because you teach your runners, do not let there be space between you and second base where you see a fielder. 
It's very simple. You can never be further away from second base than the shortstop. This is not brain surgery. You turn around, you look, you have the third base coach who's yelling at you, oh, it was very loud in Minnesota, they couldn't hear you, poppycock. And yet that was not the biggest deal in the Jays game. The biggest deal in the Jays game is that John Schneider, and he's getting blamed for this and that really bothers me. Do you think the manager pulled Berrios in the fourth inning after a walk and Mark Shapiro was watching the game saying, what the hell is going on here? This can't be happening. We are not going to Kikuchi right now. Give me a break. Of course it's discussed before the game. Even 20 years ago, we discussed exactly what was gonna happen during the game. Jack McKeon made it clear that, that Josh Beckett, if he had the opportunity, he was gonna give him the complete game no matter what his pitch count was because our bullpen was exhausted. Let us win or lose with Josh Beckett, let him go nine. And we talked about one run read, two run lead, five run lead. And we established before the game, it did not matter what the lead was. In that case, it was two runs, but it didn't matter. He was, excuse me, let's do that again. 12, eight, 69. It didn't matter what the lead was. Josh Beckett was gonna get the ball in the ninth inning. It's going on today too. John Schneider, the manager of the Blue Jays did not take out Berrios without his front office's approval and discussion prior to the game starting. That was the pitching plan from the beginning. In the fourth inning, if there is even one man on base, we are going to Kikuchi at this part of the batting order. It is right there in black and white, written and spoken. Yet John Schneider is getting attacked like he's a moron. You can attack analytics. You can say that a move didn't work, but let's make sure we put the blame on the right people. People are gonna be so upset in Toronto, blaming him. Come on, be better. I was watching that game and all I kept thinking about was how good the Houston Astros are. And that may sound strange because I knew the winner of that series was playing Houston. And you may think that's why I was thinking about it, but no, I watched that game and I'm watching George Springer in right field. I'm watching Carlos Correa in at shortstop. And I'm remembering them as Astros. And I'm remembering them leaving the Astros. And I'm remembering that the Astros were willing to let them leave while fans were saying, hey, we're in the middle of a winning time. This makes no sense. I can't believe we're not keeping our guys. You wanna know how to make a dynasty? There's gotta be turnover. The Yankees dynasty, they call them the core four with Posada and Jeter and, and, and Pettit and Rivera. I mean, they didn't mention other players that were involved, but there was turnover from their 96 team, 98 team, all the way up to their 2000 team their 2001 team that lost to the Diamondbacks, their 2003 team that lost to the Marlins. I give the Astros credit and we talk about their sign stealing scandal. We talk about how the Dodgers and Yankees blame them for their losses in the 17 postseason. But I'm looking at the success the Yankees have had, garbage cans or not, sign stealing or not. And then I'm looking at the, at the Astros organization. The Astros are simply run better by smarter people than the Yankees. And the examples were right there on the field. The Astros were waiting for the winner 
of a team that had two of its ex-players. So the Jays lose. That's it. Twins move on. They're playing the Astros. I don't love that the fans were yelling, we won Houston, but it is what it is. Then we went to the Brewers-Diamondbacks game. And that game was overshadowed for me by what Mark Antonazio said, the owner of the Brewers, before the game started. He violated the code for those of us who try to get public money for stadiums. Totally violated it. He said before the game, we never considered going anywhere else. But Mark, you had a whole leverage play. You're trying to get $600 million in refurbishments to redo Miller Park. You're about to get it. All you have to do is give them an extended lease. It's sort of like a new ballpark. But the leverage of you leaving is what got everybody going. It's the oldest trick in our playbook. You can't ever let people know how the magic's done. You've got to stay with it forever. Man, that was close. I'm so thankful that we got a deal done because I would hate to leave this great market, this great city, and our great fans. You don't say, yeah, I was just joking. Wait till you're out of the game and doing a movie. Then you can say it, but not now, even though, of course, it's totally true. So I'm watching him and thinking, I'm watching him watch the game. I'm watching him be totally despondent that they're about to get swept out. And then I'm looking in the dugout and I'm thinking, is David Stearns texting Craig Council right after the game? Or does he wait like till today? And my view is they've known each other long enough. You do it today. Because after a game, managers, after a loss, we'd go into the clubhouse. We had a pretty good rule after losses, especially big losses. I always would go into the clubhouse. I'd go into the manager's office and do a little pat, pat on the butt sometimes, unless they were in their towel having just showered and then I wouldn't do that. But I would just go in, look, not say a word, walk out, go to the food room, get on the bus if we're on the road or get in the car and go home. And then if I needed something and we had to address something for the next day, we gave it some time. If something was acute and we needed to address it then, I'd still give enough time for the manager to get showered, get dressed, then we'll talk. Craig Council is done with the Brewers. He has no contract for next year. He can write his own ticket. He's been in Milwaukee for eight full seasons. They've been hugely successful, though without a ring. They've had a hard time. They have not made the World Series at all with him, but they've been very successful. David Stearns in New York is looking for a manager. The rumor is he wants to be reunited with Craig Council. It doesn't require a text from him to Craig today, meaning yesterday after the game. That's what I was thinking. Today, he could text him and say, hey, sorry, let's talk. And then I was realizing that the talking's already happened. If Craig Council is going to be the manager of the Mets, the deal has already been cut. There is no negotiating that still has to happen. The level of tampering that happened is very common. And when you've got two people who have worked together and who know each other, I don't even call it tampering because they already know they're a match made in heaven. The question is, does Craig want to leave Milwaukee, leave the comfort of home, leave the comfort of Whitefish Bay and go to Flushing? We'll wait to see. But that's what I was thinking about during that game. Then we got to the Phillies Marlins game. And this is what I was thinking. 
Are people going to view the Marlins season as a failure because they got beaten by a better team in two straight games and destroyed? Or are they going to remember that they were without their entire pitching staff and they really went out there with a fourth and fifth starter? Now, Lazardo's been great, don't get me wrong, but on a championship team, he's a three, maybe a four. And Garrett is a five, maybe a six on a championship team. I'm not selling them. Going against a team that had just been to the World Series, going against Wheeler and Nola, going against an offense, going against 40,000 screaming people with a rise not fully healthy. The excitement of Berger and Bell wearing off, basically. I think if you are a fan of baseball, you look at the Marlins season and say, wow, that's a cool season. That team was not expected to succeed. They worked themselves into a playoff spot. They played well all year. They went through the bad stretches and they were able to turn it around with good stretches. They were able to overcome injuries. The thing is when you're building a team like the Marlins and you're doing an honest assessment after this elimination, you cannot say that we are just gonna run it back. And the reason you can't is that when you are 19 games over in one run games, you cannot expect that to continue. It's the same reason why the Padres can look at their season and say, hey, forget that Preller and Melvin don't love each other and forget the fact that we're losing a fortune. We're gonna run it back because we can't possibly be that bad in one run games or extra inning games where the Padres were like two and 12. Eventually there'll be a regression to the mean. You can't look at that Marlins team, especially when you know that Sandy is not gonna pitch next year. You're not gonna hear that from the Marlins for quite a while. But I'll tell you right now, with the injury that Alcantara has, he is not pitching next year. It's going to require surgery. Practicing medicine with only the experience of a baseball executive for 18 large, not because I'm a doctor. I'm Jack Klugman. That's a reference that no one's going to get. Quincy? Emmy? Nope. Okay. Moving on. So the, the Marlins have to make a decision. Do you realize that what happened this year is lightning in a bottle or do you chase it? I am the king of the chase. I would have said to our owner, let's add, let's see if we can sell into the success of this season, get our revenue up, sign some people, maybe retain Josh Bell, maybe find a way to deal with keeping our payroll from going too high, but it was pretty high this year. But we got to sign another pitcher because we know that Sandy's not going to be there. But we know that Yuri Perez can pitch more innings. I can talk myself in a circle into anything. Of course, I want to keep going and keep trying if I'm the Marlins ownership because I want to see if I can parlay this success into actual attendance and gate revenue. But if you are a good GM and if Kim Ang is a good GM and she is being lauded as great given what happened with the Marlins this year, You've got to sit with your owner because you're looking for a new deal. You've got to ask for a four-year deal, a four-year extension, and you've got to tell the owner, next year's not our year. Save it. We're not going to say it publicly, but we cannot go, quote unquote, all in next year because we're not going to have Sandy and too many things happen this year that we cannot properly expect to happen next year. Will the Marlins have the guts to do it? We'll find out. So on my nothing personal pick of the days, I had the Brewers over the Diamondbacks. I had the Phillies over the Marlins. So I'm still six games under, 136 and 142. On my way to C's, I had the Brewers, Blue Jays, and Rays winning their series. That's a no, no, no. I hate revisiting 
when I mess up that badly. Now, my overall picks are still around because they didn't play yet, and they're the Astros and the Braves, but God, did I get this round wrong. We got the Phillies right. So tonight, instead of watching elimination games, I've got to watch the Bears and Commanders. I better get on the DraftKings app immediately. I, I, I guess it's like watching a car crash. You can't turn away or like looking at an eclipse. You put on the sunglasses. Watching Justin Fields, will he win ever? Is it possible that Coach Hattenfuss is going to get fired at halftime? Eber Flaus, Flus? What is it, Coca? Eber Flus? He may get fired at halftime in this game. Or maybe Josh Harris realizing, wow, owning a team is not great because we just lost to the Bears. The line is six. We're going to take the Bears and the points. I have no idea why, except the Bears have to have a little pride, don't they? You can't lose by a touchdown to the Washington Commanders when you haven't won a game in forever. You better game plan and you better take advantage of the short week and be smarter than the Commanders and outwork them and win a damn game. That's why we're taking the points. When we come back, we're going to review a movie that I watched that was really funny called Joyride. And then we're going to talk to you about what our plans are for 2034. Because while you think that that's far away, it's only a decade. And you and I have a long flight to take. I'll explain right after the break. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. First, I want to thank you all for rating, reviewing, it matters, subscribing. Please hit the subscribe button on the Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. If you're listening to this, please go on YouTube and just hit subscribe because so many tens of thousands of people are with you right now. Thank you. But if you all went to hit subscribe on YouTube, I'd appreciate it. And for all the people watching live, go to your podcast platform and hit subscribe there too. We're looking, we're gonna game the system. We're gonna pretend our audience is twice as big because we're gonna have everybody both watching and listening. So yes, I do watch a movie every day of my life. And I love it. Either a movie or TV series. But I am engaged with content every day. I look forward to it. I have a routine. I watched Joyride. Joyride, this is the movie with Ashley Park. And the, the girl, Stephanie, the woman from Everything Everywhere All at Once, she was in Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. It's about four girls. It's sort of like bridesmaids, except not. They're, they're overseas trying to find the adopted mother of one of the girls and trying to save a job and get a job. And it is absolute hijinks. The plot is absurd. On a, on a scale of one to 10, it is not realistic. It's a zero in terms of could this happen? Whereas for whatever reason, when I watch Dumb and Dumber Bridesmaids, I would say I can totally picture Melissa McCarthy doing that. 
I had a very hard time imagining that anything that I watched in Joyride could actually happen. The characters were all a stereotype. It's like we've got to check the following boxes. But you know what? I dig it. I laughed. I was entertained. And sometimes I take myself a little too seriously. Sometimes when I'm watching something for the art, I'm looking at the quality, the cinematography, the editing, the writing. Ooh, that's not directed well. Like, what the hell do I know? But it just makes me feel important that I'm watching with this discerning eye. Like when we're watching a baseball game. I always got to say, I watch the game differently than you. I don't know what that means. I mean, I knew what I was looking for because I knew in advance what was going to happen. But you know what? I watched Joy Ride and I was thinking, I'm just enjoying it. I'm enjoying the ride. And I think you will too. It's called Joy Ride 2023. The over under, the outside laughs. The over-under is four, but the smiles is like 25. And that's okay. Joyride. We're taking a joyride. Who's ready to go to Saudi Arabia? Raise your hands. Who wants to have fun in that country where you can lose your life and get chopped up? Anybody? Anybody want to go see firsthand what sports washing looks like? Do you want to go to a place that's so hot and so corrupt and so rich, it'll knock your knickers off. Well, guess what? If you wanna see World Cup in 2034, you better get used to the fact that you gotta go to Saudi Arabia. Wasn't announced yet, but it will be. Instead, what FIFA announced yesterday in a sweeping announcement that was without both controversy and payola. No corruption to be seen here. They announced the hosts for 2030. Strange. Why would the 2030 announcement be important for 2034? Because in 2026, you've got North America. That's Canada. That's Mexico. That's US. In 2030, it's going to be co-hosted by Spain, Portugal, and Morocco. Spain, Portugal, Morocco. Three really cool places to go, might I add. And I'm dead serious about that. If you've never been to Morocco, go to Morocco. It's amazing. Portugal, beautiful. Spain, top us anyone? So combine North America with Europe, with Africa, and then realize that they're opening the 2030 World Cup out of nowhere with three games in Argentina, what countries are left to host in 2034? Hold on, let me think of the continents. Oh, Coca, we're ridiculous. It's not Saudi Arabia. The 2034 World Cup is gonna be hosted on Antarctica. Of course. Paraguay, Uruguay, Argentina. That will have the first three games of 2030. That means they get automatic bids for 2030. If the World Cup is not in Antarctica, where else would it be? Saudi Arabia. 
This is all a setup. The announcement of 2030 today was done to pave the way, to open the door for a game, a World Cup that's already been awarded. Now, Gianni Infantino will stand in front of the microphone and he'll say, we're taking bids for 2034. We have no idea which way it's gonna go. We are excited at the possibility because so many countries wanna host this great World Cup. Ready? Come and knock on my door. I'll be waiting for you. Where is everyone? The Saudis look around. There's no one with them. They look left. Oh, we took care of that guy, that country. They look right. Oh, yeah, yeah, get out of here. They look right at Infantino and say, hey there, are you ready to party? It's all been about Saudi Arabia getting the World Cup. FIFA is going to make a fortune in their small fiefdom by having the World Cup in Saudi Arabia in 2034. And the plan is working perfectly. You announce 26, you announce 30, then you announce that Saudi Arabia is pondering a bid. They are considering a bid. FIFA has not decided. Nothing is firmly in place. Horse hockey. The decision has already been made for the 2034 World Cup to be in Saudi Arabia. I'm not even willing. I mean, I guess we have to, Coca, don't we? Do we have to make it an official wait to see? Can we talk about what FIFA's had to do to shoehorn Saudi Arabia into 2034? By naming Spain and Portugal and Morocco and Paraguay and Uruguay and Argentina as host cities of 2030 to get rid of them for 34, they're also giving them automatic bids. Those six countries are already in the World Cup. Not only will it be the first time the World Cup is played on more than one continent, it will also be the first time that six countries are already in. It's totally crazy. What, what were some good quotes about this? The president of the Saudi Federation had no choice but to quote because it was all part of the plan. Can I just read you what he said so you can smile with me? They officially announced a bid for 2034. Announcing the intention to run is an important moment that keeps pace with the development we are experiencing in our great nation and embodies the Saudi people's passion for football and the kingdom's endeavor to achieve further progress. Hosting a World Cup in Saudi Arabia would mean everything to us. We are a football nation. This is what dreams are made of for all generations. You'll excuse me while I stop the show now and go vomit. If you fall for that quote, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Now, FIFA is not just falling for it, they asked for it. This is a combined plan between FIFA and Saudi Arabia to get the World Cup into Saudi Arabia. And it starts with these little steps that have been taken for years now. You think 2034 is a long way away, and I tell you, it's tomorrow. The development we are experiencing in our great nation. Do you know what they're trying to do in Saudi Arabia? They're trying to make you forget who they are. And we talk about sports washing all the time. It's not sports washing because they're washing you not in sports. 
They're trying to convince you having nothing to do with sports. When you host the World Cup, it's not about sports of soccer or football. It's about being able to look around the world and say, we're you, you're us. Well, I don't wanna be them. You think I'm gonna fly there in 2034? No chance, toilet pants. None, zero. You will not get one of my dollars. FIFA, you keep acting the way you're acting, and guess what? It's not gonna make a damn bit of difference. Isn't that so pathetic? That I'm standing here on my high horse telling you that I won't go to Saudi Arabia, and guess what? I won't, but I'll watch every game of the World Cup in 2034, just like I did of the one in Qatar. I guess we got, we can do an official wait to see when we say something's gonna happen. Let's hold off, because you know what? We'll still be around, Coca. 2034 World Cup will be in Saudi Arabia. Book it, it's official, wait to see. All right, let's go to Chicago. Oh, we could have done this segment after the Bears pick because the Bears are gonna play a game tonight against the Commanders. And I'm way less interested in that game now. I'm gonna watch it because it's my pick of the day and there's no baseball on. There's two straight days with no baseball. When the more important business story and sports story happened last night, and it involved a team that my guess is many of you cannot even name the nickname, the Chicago MLS team. What's their last name? Fire. Why are they called the Chicago Fire? I don't like that. To me, it's like remembering a nightmare of your city. The great fire in Chicago, not good. Now it led to the rebuild, so it's pretty cool, but bad, very bad. It would be like having a baseball team and naming it the Tommy Johns. The expansion team, the Montreal Tommy Johns. No. Well, yesterday, over 60,000 people went to the MLS game between the Chicago Fire and the Inter-Miami Football Club. And they were looking around. They were wearing their messy jerseys, so jacked up, ready to go. Wait a minute, there's no Messi. He didn't play because he's hurt and you were all lied to. He was listed as questionable when he should have been listed as out. Do you think that Inter-Miami made the decision with Messi for him not to play in Chicago the morning of the game, the morning of the match, excuse the nomenclature? No, that decision was made days and days ago. I'm fine with Messi not playing if he's hurt, no problem. I'm not fine with Major League Soccer, Inter-Miami and Chicago making the fans believe that he's gonna play. It makes perfect business sense because you want 60,000 people going to a game where normally the Chicago Fire get 18,000 people. That's 40,000 extra customers that you can sell into. And that's what the Chicago Fire did. They gave them a benefit. They said, hey, come to this game. And even if Messi doesn't play, come to the game and we'll give you $250, not cash. It's sort of a credit to when you buy season tickets for next year for our team. I love that. As president of a team, that's my go-to. Hey, you want something cool now? You better pay for what may not be cool later. You wanna go to a playoff game? Then you gotta buy season tickets for next season. I get it. I get why the Chicago Fire did it. MLS, Don Garber can't say that Messi's not playing. 
He wants people buying the package on Apple. He wants to keep promoting Messi. He wants more attendance, more eyeballs. The problem is, it's a bit like the Taylor Swift situation. When you go too far, you take away the benefit of the journey. The journey in the NFL and the Kelsey Swift has been amazing. But what happens if it becomes toxic? And I don't mean the relationship. I mean all the promotion, all the PR. It's a turnoff. If you are promoting Messi to the point where enough fans in enough cities around this country say, wow, you misled us. And I don't mean like class action style. I mean, just, I don't really like you anymore, MLS. I was so excited when Messi came. I wanted to buy the package on Apple. I was feeling good about wearing my Messi jersey. Everything's coming up roses. But I realize you had information that you didn't tell us and you took advantage of that fact. Now, the key in sports and in business is to always have more information than your customer and you always try to take advantage of your customer and not tell them everything that they should know or could know about something. That's happening to you in every industry with everything you do all day long. But in sports, when you do that, it has an impact on gambling and it has a more emotional impact than, hey, I wish I'd known that romaine lettuce has salmonella. This is a bigger deal than you think. And the reason it's a bigger deal is that Messi and Inter Miami are gaming the system with the help of every one of Inter Miami's opponents. And the circus-like atmosphere that it's creating, if they end up screwing this up, they won't get another chance. The unique opportunity of having Messi in your league and increasing the stature of your league and the jersey, etc. All of that means that you cannot take it too far. So as we are heading into the playoffs, first round is over in baseball. We got to wait till Saturday for the division series. I did not have at all the Twins playing the Orioles when the season started. I just didn't. I did not have the Twins playing the Astros and the Rangers playing the Orioles. That's the matchup in the American League. I'm excited. But I keep thinking about what it is to not be in the playoffs because I had way more experience not being than being in. Getting ready, thinking about your players, thinking about your staff, hiring, firing. This is the time. It's off season right now for 22 teams. There's only eight teams left. That means 22 teams are now thinking about their season. The New York Mets, and we've spoken about them plenty, they've got a lot to go over. Well, their off season just got a little more complicated. It was announced this morning that your favorite Met, Pete Alonzo, is now a client of Scott Boras. Why do I bring that up? As a president of a team, I can't believe I have to deal with that guy now. I can't believe that Pete Alonzo is that guy when I thought he was a different person because the only people who hire Boris are the people who don't care about anything but money, and I'm in. We've talked about it being just business, but the blatant nature of this poach is absolutely gross. 
Pete Alonso is about to get paid either as a final arbitration eligible player and then going into free agency. And he had an agent who's been with him through thick or thin. He jettisons him. This is why the agency business is so bad. You can work your ass off to have a player, have a relationship with a player, get the player to tattoo your name on his arm, and they'll leave you in a New York minute if they believe that they have a better opportunity to make more money with someone else. Newsflash. What will Scott Boris do for Pete Alonso that his current agent couldn't do? Nothing. You think he's gonna put, he'll put a book together that's two inches long about the greatness of Pete Alonso, the historic nature of his numbers, his home runs and his RBI? You think we don't know that as baseball executives? You think we need your book to say, oh, that, you're right, Wei-Yin Chen really is that good. <laughs> Stinks. Why am I worked up about this? I'm worked up because it makes the game worse. It makes agents have to act in ways they don't want to act to keep players, and they're going around poaching players. So agents are spending more time protecting their assets than actually helping their assets. Players are going around being influenced by people in their clubhouse or by other agents who say, hey, I can do better. Don't go with Jerry Maguire. I got you covered. I'm not wishing ill of Pete Alonso, but I do know that my view of him has changed and I can't deny that. I've actually told you that some of my favorite players, Jose Fernandez, I, he and I had long discussions. Why is Scott Boris your agent? Tell me what's in your head. And the answer is he'll get me the most. He'll take care of me the most. It's a joke. He only takes care of the people who can take care of him. The minute you can't be helpful or you're not good, you're done. Whereas the other agents like a Joe Wolf, one of the best in the business, they do it differently. They actually do it right. Alonzo's former agent said, this agency has gone above and beyond to ensure every aspect. This is a quote from Alonzo on his old agent that just came out. Sorry, we're breaking news, we're live. I wanna get this right. This is an old quote. Why do I even wanna say this, Coca? You're saying it in my ear. I'm gonna say it as you say it. This agency has gone above and beyond to ensure every aspect of my life and career is cared for. I don't know where I would be without the, this agency. They are the best of the best. Oh, that's a quote of Alonzo about the agency that he just got rid of to hire Boris. That's funny. That's a good one, Coca. Thank you for finding that. I love that we're live. And I love that you're in my ear and sometimes I don't know what you're saying because I'm talking and listening and reading. Pete Alonso thought he had the best agent. I guess not. He's now with Boris. Wouldn't it be amazing if everyone would collude and not sign Alonzo now? Let's do that. Let's collude and finally get rid of Boris once and for all and make it so he can't poach like this. But you're gonna say, David, why can't you be consistent? Let Pete Alonso do what he does because you know what it is. It's just business. Sorry, old agents at Apex. It's nothing personal. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.